Today is August 10th, 2020, and this is Sam Walking in the World, Episode 7. Today I'm going to talk about uh, a few stupid things. Uh, I'm going to talk about post-it notes a little bit more, do a little OCD check. I'm going to talk about a little bit of language, um, particularly the expression kick the bucket and bucket lists. Um, I have a few happiness hints that I've learned from my time being unhappy and my transition to happy. Um, how to, how to uh, avoid some frustration. And then in my larger things today, I'm going to talk about the, the concept of diversity. Well, it's become very popular. I've thought about it a lot, and I'd like to share my thoughts on it. And materialism, uh, what it means and how, how it's valued. <clears throat> so, first, um, oh, I'd also like to announce that I, as I look at my analytics for this podcast, I, I noticed that I have one listener from Ireland. Hello to you. Uh, that means that my podcast is international now. I can tell people that I have an international podcast. Like, that means anything. Like, the fact that I have a podcast means anything. Um, okay, so let me start out with this stupid stuff. Um, I, I did an OCD check on myself. Um, I was I was writing a post-it note, and uh, I wanted to remind myself of something, and that thing was connected to something else. I wanted to do one thing, and then I was going to do another thing. And so, um, I don't know if you do this. You probably do. I, I drew an arrow connecting one of the things to the other thing. And uh, I made my little arrow point at the end of it. And then, for some reason I don't understand, I had to make it a solid arrowhead. And then I went out and about, I was about to write something next, and I had to go back and color in my arrowhead as though somehow I might not have noticed that that was where the arrow was pointing. I wanted the second thing to be so clearly obvious that I had to have a solid arrowhead on my post-it note. That's how much more work I have to do. Um, okay, so let me get to language. The expression kick the bucket. The expression bucket list. I don't know how long it's been around, but... It seems like it, it it took like immense popularity recently, and now everybody knows the phrase "bucket list." What are you gonna, What are you going to put in your bucket? That's on my bucket list. Uh, first, bucket list. I, I wanted to know where it came from, and it came It comes obviously from things you want to do before you kick the bucket. And I and we I, I've just always been saying it. I bet you have to, and um, I bet some of you probably know where it came from, but I didn't. So I looked it up. And uh, kick the bucket came from um, people attempting to hang themselves. Uh, they would stand on a big masonry bucket and so they could reach the high branch or whatever they were using to hang themselves from. And then they would tie a noose around it. They would slip their neck in it, standing on the bucket. And then either they or someone else would come along for them and kick the bucket. Which, of course, caused, well, you know the rest. So I got thinking about it, like people talk about their bucket list and stuff that they want to make sure that they do before they die. And um, I was thinking, like, what if, if there was an afterlife, right? Um, what if you got a new bucket? Like, what if you, you went to the afterlife, heaven or whatever it is, and, and you went to the bucket warehouse 
to get your new bucket. And the size of your new bucket was determined by how much stuff you had in your old bucket when you died. If you, if you only had a couple things in it, they would hand you a small pal, like a child's sandcastle pal. This is all you're going to need because uh, there weren't many things in your other bucket. So we're anticipating you're probably not going to need that much room. And we're conserving plastic because, of course, this is a utopia being that it's in heaven. Of course... I don't know if they would need to conserve matter because there's infinity. All right, I'm, I'm going to want to get that far out in the weeds. Uh, so anyway, that was just something stupid I was thinking about. All right, happiness sense. I was thinking about how in my life, um, and I still do it. Um, I used to do it a lot more before, but I would be lazy. Uh, let me explain what I mean. I would be a little bit lazy. There were some, 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 excuse me. There were some things that were small things, and I would just not do them because I was lazy, and I would end up making way more work or create way more frustration for myself later. And they're simple stuff. They come up every day for me, and I, I've, I have changed my habits on many of them, and I notice that it does make me happier. Um, and uh, in my mind, I kept thinking, like, a little bit of laziness can cause a whole bunch of craziness. In case you lock that in your mind. But the first tip that I have for everyone is use two hands. Use two hands. I used to have a baseball coach that said, God didn't give you two so you could keep one in your pocket. Or holding a cell phone. That was in the 1980s, though, so. But if it, if it were now, we probably would say that. Um, uh, and speaking of cell phones, people always have them in their hand. Just to get on a tangent here for a second. I never believe anybody when they say that they didn't get my phone call. They were away from their phone. That's like one in a thousand times someone's away from their phone. They bring it in the bathroom. I was in the bathroom. I didn't get your call. No, no. You're, you had your phone with you in the bathroom. It was probably sitting on the sink. It was probably in your hand. I don't want to think about what was in your other hand. But I, I stopped using that excuse when I don't want to answer someone's call. I'll just say, yeah, I didn't want to answer your call. Um, and there are many examples of where using two hands makes such a difference. <clears throat> um First one is this I noticed about myself before because just out of laziness I would or, or maybe like out of like style I would grab my backpack and I would throw it over one arm and I would have to like have my thumb locked you know in there like you, the way you carry your backpack with one arm and I would just take that hand completely out of the game and in in my life at least so many things would come up between the time I put my backpack on and the time I got to my car I mean, one of them is your cell phone. I think the reason why cell phone holsters haven't taken off as a thing is because no one ever puts their phone away. So even if, let's presume I did put my phone away, I have a pocket in my bag, I put it in there, I can do without it for 45 seconds. I have one hand free. Chances of me needing to do something between backpack and car that require two hands to do without frustration is very, very low. I mean, high. Chance of me having to do something is very high. Opening up a can of soda. Um, 
holding your keys and your cell phone if you have it. Um, I don't know. I can't think of too many things off the top of my head right now. But believe me, many things. Um, so I put my backpack on both arms now. And just make a habit of it. Even if it's going to be for 45 seconds or from the time I get from my car to go into a house or a building or my own house, I will put it on both arms. And even if I don't end up needing my extra hand <laughs> for something, it just it's just so much feels so much better to not have to have one hand already just tied up like that. I think they made them with two arms on purpose so that you didn't have to have one of your hands occupied. All right, that's a little bit too much. Other uh, instances, like they tell you, you need to have two hands on your steering wheel. I I do that now. Um, I, I would just leave one hand in my lap, and then something quick would happen on the road, and I would have to get my hand to the wheel and then be able to steer it effectively. The same is true in sports. If, uh, if you're, say, turn, I don't know how many people understand baseball references, but if you're, if you're, Catching a ball that you're going to have to throw right away, whether it's catching a ball in the outfield and having to throw it in, or catching a ball at second base and having to turn the double play over to first, or even fielding a grounder. Or this is also true in hockey two hands on your hockey stick. The puck shows up, all of a sudden you got to get your hand to your stick. But when you reach for a baseball with two hands and catch it in your glove, your throwing hand is already right there, ready to grab the ball. Why, why waste time? lifting your arm from your side to your glove after you caught the ball and then having to th having to waste that time before you throw it. If you watch a baseball game, anytime something is it has to be thrown, as soon as it's caught, they use two hands. Reach with two hands, I was always told. Um, there, there really aren't many one-handed hugs, although maybe if people are walking around with backpacks, they, they're doing that. <coughs> so um, that's my tip on using two hands especially with your backpack. Um, another one is I've been doing things around the house with this whole COVID thing. I've been around my house a lot, so I've had the chance to do things that I didn't have an opportunity to do, which is BS. I've had an opportunity to do it. I just didn't. And now i got to do something. So I'm, I kind of go around looking to see what needs to be done. And I find there are little tasks and chores and, and things that I can do that I have time to do now. And this piece of advice is one I follow all the time now, and that is, no matter how simple it is, um, a task, or every day a task it is, use the right tool. I watch my wife with this, and I did it too. You ever get anything that comes in plastic packaging that's sealed up really good? Which you want, because you don't want it, you know, coming apart when it's being delivered, or pieces falling out of it so a lot of times packaging comes in plastic that is really 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 well sealed and no matter what you always try to rip it with your hands i do try to find the weak spot in the plastic wrapping maybe i can puncture a hole in here and get get myself started and i can rip along the, I, I end up either cutting my hand with the, with the hard edge of the plastic or i just struggle and then i'm angry um versus just getting a pair of scissors or a pair of cutting pliers. Just cutting off the top of it. Same thing is true with opening boxes. That's hard sealed shipping tape. You're like, I'm going to see if I can get my hand through here. You do that finger chop down in through the box. It never works. Just it, the, the, the 
cardboard collapses a little and the and the shipping tape holds and your fingers hurt. Versus just going getting a pair of scissors or a butter knife and going and then if you're industrious, even cut the sides. Because sometimes when you put your fingers down the middle of it and try to pull the box open, those sides hold. That makes you angry. At least, in, I don't know. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> but using the right tool works, and especially with plastic packaging. Another one is when, when you're trying to get the cotton out of a pill bottle. I don't know if you have giant sausage fingers like I do, but I could not, I cannot reach two fingers in to get the cotton out. And if you try to do it with one and do that little finger scoop with your index finger, it never works. You just push the cotton along the side of the bottle and make it even harder to get out. If you just had a pair of tweezers sitting around, all you'd have to do is just go whoop, whoop, and the cotton would be out. But we don't do that. We don't do that small thing in order to make the job a lot easier. We try to do the lazy thing, and we end up with the crazy thing. Another one is branch cutters versus clipping shears. This might seem like a small thing, but when you're out there in the field, it's not. When you're cutting things... When you're cutting things that have any kind of diameter of branch, even if it's not wood, if it's just like thick weed, and you try to use the shears, and you think I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna slam this with great force, and the branch holds, I did, I've been doing it, and my shoulder, I end up like almost popping my shoulder out. Whereas branch cutters, which are those things that have kind of the long handles and that tiny biting mouth at the end. But it's got like this leverage thing to it. I don't know why, but all you got to do is squeeze and I mean, that thing could take a limb off. A body, I mean. And it just makes all the difference. You don't have to sit there, whack, 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 whack. So, I don't know. That bothered me. And uh, I, I think that it would be very helpful if you, uh, if you took that advice. Use scissors, use tweezers, and use branch cutters if that is what is required. And it applies to anything. Don't use a, uh, a butter knife to unscrew something if you have a screwdriver. Those things, I don't know why. They can, like, change my whole morning. I get so, I get so mad. And then I'll, like, go collect other things to be mad at because I'm already in a bad mood. Okay, those are all the little things. Larger things today. I want to talk about diversity. Um, over the past, I don't know what, maybe... 10 or 15 years, it seems to have become this enormous thing, diversity. And uh, I, I know the biggest, the, I don't want to be controversial here, but I know the biggest kind of element to diversity is like race and ethnicity. Um, we're trying to add diversity to things, to teams, to workplaces, to groups. And I think that's good. I think that's good. I think what you don't want to do is prevent diversity, you know, allow diversity. But I wonder if diversity is something that is worth promoting, right? So the difference between uh, between not being of adverse to adversity, averse to adversity, versus pushing for it, placing it above other things that might I dare say, be more important than diversity. And it got me thinking about the difference between diversity and versatility. Diversity, of course, is having various groups represented. Right? 
the different backgrounds, um, different races, genders, religious backgrounds. Um, it, it may be regional differences, like from different parts of the country or from different parts of the world. And, and to have all of those attitudes and perspectives represented. Whereas versatility is something more that you would discuss about an individual. How versatile is a person? What is their skill set? Um, are they able to do many things? Right? Are they when you say that someone is a versatile person? You usually think, "Wow, that person can can play music, do carpentry, um, uh, cook, um, whatever." You know, you, you and you think, "Wow, that's a very versatile person." You never would say to a person, "Wow, that's a very diverse person." A person can have diverse skills, but usually when you're talking about an individual versatility to me seems like it's more important like it takes a group to be diverse but what would you tell an individual i would never say to a person starting off in the world okay graduated college or you graduated high school now i want you to go out there and be diverse doesn't make any sense you know go find a group that doesn't have one of your kind and fill that spot then that group will have more diversity and you'll have contributed to the group we always hear it. Diversity is our strength. And I just, if you think about it logically, I, I just, I don't think it is. I don't think it's bad. And I think it is good to have different attitudes and, and perspectives on things because that does help. It brings more to the table. But the reason that group is together is to do something. And does diversity help that group get better at doing that thing? Right, As though being part of it, bringing your difference or uniqueness will somehow help the group to do its collective job better. And I thought about some examples, like <clears throat> specific things, like uh, on a construction crew. I would think the, the number one most important thing is that you're good at doing construction work. I don't understand how different backgrounds helps the construction crew strengthen its ability to do its job. If we push for diversity to the point where we place it above the, the ability a person has to do the job, you end up not strengthening the group. And so I wonder kind of why we, sometimes we push it. I think it's about kind of about political correctness, and it's about wanting to be open to other cultures and not be xenophobic. And I, I agree with all of that. But when it comes to actual work, in the world, um, I'm just not sure if diversity should be above other things like versatility. Um, if you're on a construction crew and someone's like, okay, he's he's drilling over there. What we need is for somebody who can go um, use this, use the, uh, I don't know, jackhammer over there. And you say to the person, no, well, no, I, I, I just know drills. They're going to go, oh, all right, well. Maybe I'll see if he can go do the jackhammer. And, uh, oh, I don't know. Or even worse yet, I need someone to go over there and use the jackhammer. And you, and you say, oh, I don't really have any construction skills. Um, but I am Native American. And um, and um, my, my father's from Canada. Okay, thank you. How much stronger we are because of that, I don't know. Um, 
And then I just I started thinking kind of outlandishly. Like, I'm a short, old person of Italian descent. When I try to think of, like, diversity as, a, as an individual, like, what would I bring? What's my diversity contribution to a group? I was thinking, like, where could I find a place where where there aren't, where there's open slots where I could strengthen a group with my diversity, where, where there aren't that many short people. So I could bring diversity that way. Um, maybe they're young. So I'll bring, I'll bring, I'm old. So I'll bring some old diversity and I'm, I'm Italian. Maybe there's not so many Italians there and I can go bring that kind of Mediterranean diversity. Even though I myself am not from Italy, my ancestors were, I visited it. Uh, so I don't know if that helped me collect my ability to strengthen groups with my Italianness, but um, and I was thinking like, where where could I find a spot where my unique diversity s- strengths could help? And I thought, of course, an NBA basketball team. I've never, first of all, I have to tell you, I, I mean, I've dribbled basketballs and shot around in driveways, but I, I've never really played basketball. I've never played organized basketball. Um, and not, I mean, I'm not terrible at it. I'm, I have like an average person's basketball skill. And I'm kind of quick because I'm small. So maybe I could like, I don't know, dribble around you or maybe I could, I don't know. But but overall, I would not say that that basketball itself is one of my strengths. But according to this, this paradigm, that matters. Some people would say that matters less than what I could bring to this group to make it more diverse. So I was thinking, like, someone would ask me that. The coach would ask me when I, if I, you know, if I could ever get myself to a place where I could talk to the NBA owner or the coach. And I, I don't think that would ever happen. But in this imaginary scenario, uh, I'm talking to the owner of the basketball team, and I say, I'd like to play for your team. I believe I could strengthen it. And, and he says, um, who are you? How did you get in here? You know, and suppose my answer is good enough for me to continue the conversation. He says, are you a skilled basketball player? And, of course, I say, not really. Um, but I would bring diversity. I, I notice that you don't have any Italians on your team. Everyone seems to be very tall. And, and everyone seems to kind of be in their physical prime. I'm, I'm older. I'd be able to bring that old perspective so that, you know, maybe people – would be able to understand that later in life their knees are going to hurt or, you know, maybe not jump so high because when they land, they're going to be doing some damage to their hips. I've had to have hip replacement surgery. Um, Otherwise, I don't think those things would be talked about amongst the basketball players on a team. Um, And I would be able to provide that. Uh, I think the product might suffer. You know, because if I was on the team and I was on the bench – it wouldn't really help much because there would be no diversity on the floor. There would be no Italian short old contribution on the floor. And so I would have to be in the game. And, and, and once in the game, I have a feeling that the quality of the basketball product that that group put forward would, would suffer. I think it would not be as good as it would be were I not there. So it does beg the question, what, how exactly did I strengthen the basketball team? Now, I wouldn't keep a short person out if they were a talented basketball player. 
I wouldn't keep them out if they happened to be Italian, even if we already had other Italians on the team, or they had. I wouldn't, um, I, I wouldn't discriminate against a person that was older than your typical basketball player if they could play basketball. I think you know. I think you see what I'm driving at, and it kind of led me to this. I, I wanted to. Ca- sometimes I want to like capture something in my head so I can put it away, and uh, sometimes I'll I'll just try to come up with a phrase that captures it. And this is the one I came up with for this, and I think it's true. A group's greatest asset is not the diversity of its masses, but the versatility of its individuals. Group's greatest asset is not the diversity of its masses, but the versatility of its individuals. I'd rather have a group of people who might be all the same in some way, culturally, but each one of them can do three different jobs, depending on what's needed at the time. To me, that feels like a much more a much stronger team than a team where I've made sure I collected one person from each of, of a many different diverse groups. And I think that is just common sense. So I would advise someone, regardless of their race, gender, ethnicity, or religion, to worry less about diversity and to go out there and be versatile. And that's what I have to say about that. And there will be more coming up. I will talk about uh, materialism in a moment after this message. Hello and welcome back to Sam Walking in the World. This is episode 7. That message was brought to you by a guy playing bongos. Now, I want to talk, like I said, about uh, materialism. And and how it's come to have such significance, I think. Not, not materialism, but stuff. Um, and uh, even gr- growing up, I, my mother used to tell me, that like I was always more about um, doing things than about having things. Um, I, I've kind of even naturally, before I even thought about it, I've always kind of been a minimalist. Not that I want to deprive myself of anything, but I kind of have have a, always been the kind of person who 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 discovers what I need in the process of doing things, and I have those things. I've never thought consciously about getting things as the thing I'm doing. Right? If you follow that. Um, and it got me thinking about language, as a, as a lot of things do. Being my English teacher, I don't have my hat with me, so I'm not gonna, I can't put my teacher hat on today. Or maybe the dog got it. But um, I was thinking about the word, the, the phrase, human being. Human being. We are human beings. We tend to use it as, as the the name of a creature, a human being, as a creature, is a person. Really, it's not. It's actually a sentence, if you think about it. It's a subject and a verb. And I always just said the second part of the word. When I was a kid, I thought it was bean, actually, like B-E-A-N, like a human being. But a human being is... A subject and a verb. A human, and the verb is to be, and it's in the, if, in case you care, it's in the present participle, which is the ing ending. It's also called the gerund for those nerds out there. Um, but a human being is 
is a subject and a verb. It's someone doing something. Being. Right? We're not human havings. Right? We're human beings. You know, when I when I thought about that, I was like, wow, that really does make sense. If we were, I mean, some people are human havings. People that just need to accrue as many things. I guess that's where, like, maybe the hoarders come in. I guess, like, hardcore hoarders you could call human havings. But anyway, we are human beings. So I think it's important to remember that. I would always rather do many things than have many things. If I had to choose. I mean, really wealthy people can do both. But I've always felt like the more you have, the more you have to maintain. You know, I even joke with my wife that, like, People who are obsessive about their lawns and their lawn care, their yards, and they have elaborate plants and flowers and different kinds of, you know, mulch and stuff like that. I think to myself, that would be, to me, to the way my mind works, that would be a nightmare. If I wanted to have it continue to look nice, which of course is for others to see. And I think, how, how important is that to me? Not very. Um... And I know how I was joking with my wife, my, even just mowing the lawn. I'm like, God, it's, it's such an annoying task, and it feels so good when you're done. But you're like, what was the point of that? I'd rather just, like, pave it and paint it green. Like, how much easier that would be. Or put, like, AstroTurf down. But I just, that's, like, in my fever dream. But anyway, materialism. It's funny how, like, we talk about a lot of times when someone is being judged as a person, in, in most cases, some someone will talk about their net worth. All things considered, their net worth is usually a measure of money. The sum monetary value of their possessions is a person's net worth. It doesn't count experience. And so when I think about someone's assets... You know, when, when we talk about assets, it's like houses, cars, jewelry, stocks. And it's funny because people will always say, if, you, if, if someone is trying to become successful and the subject comes up of how successful somebody is, sometimes the question is asked, well, what do you have to show for yourself? What do you have to show for yourself? Like, what is it that you can exhibit to others that will show them that you have worth? I honestly don't care what I have to show for myself. I mean, I care about what I do. And to a degree, obviously, I care about what I have. But like I said, like, here's a good example. Clothing. My wife has a room. It's not a closet. It's a room full of clothes. I have, I have so few clothes that I decided not, I, I don't even really need to use a laundry basket anymore. I mean, I have a closet and I have, uh, you know, a bunch of pairs of shirts, a bunch of pairs of pants. <clears throat> but I basically wear like three shirts. And I probably wear maybe two pairs of shorts, one pair of sweatpants, and maybe two pairs of other kinds of pants. One for school and a pair of jeans. And I have backups to all those, but I never ever wear them. I was like, I better keep, I better keep the other ones though, in case something happens to these. In case these pants get set on fire, I, I'll have another pair I can wear. 
but they just wash the same clothes over and over again, and it's 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 not not even enough to have a laundry basket. So just I don't get people who have closets full of stuff that they don't wear. And like you know, I don't have any more room in my closet. Well, I guess we better buy a builder bigger house. We'll have a bigger yard, more yard work to do. Anyway, I'm getting off on a rant. But, and then here's another another aspect of this. And I think the social media explosion is part of this. Um, when it comes to doing versus having. I think a lot of times, and I feel the urge myself, I have to admit it. We, when an event occurs, something that's really cool, fun, an experience, Right? Or think a beautiful thing you're witnessing, cool thing you're witnessing. We feel this urge to capture it. Rather than just enjoying it and having it as a memory, perhaps, we have to capture it. Because now we have cameras everywhere, of course. And it's like everybody, everybody hurries for their phone so they can make sure that they videotape it. So they can capture it. And people even say that after something. They're like, oh my God, I wish I had my the camera with me. Like, I'd rather be the person in the video than the one taking it. And I don't even really need to be in the video. I'd rather just be a person doing the thing. And I don't care whether or not there's somebody watching. Certainly not filming. Um, it's funny, though. Um, I wonder how often they actually go back and look at those videos that they have. Um, and that's like, I mean, getting back to bucket lists, that's the same thing. It's like, uh, you don't put objects in your bucket list, you put experiences in it. So ultimately, I think people do understand that, you know, I have this big house and I have my boat and uh, I, I have this giant elaborate lawn and I have a library with many, many books that I've saved. I've read them all. I'm going to keep them. And, uh, and then they're like, but, I, but I got, I got to someday I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this and put them in my bucket list. I'm in my bucket. But the bucket list is always full of things you do, not things you have. Um, I thought that was something that's important to remember. Um, from time to time, I forget things. I might have wanted to add something more here, but um, I don't think I do. Uh, and um, one more time, I'd like to say thank you to my international audience. And um, that's all I have for today. So I will see you soon, hopefully tomorrow.